Open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. We started last week on these two verses. We're not going to get past these same two verses tonight. I, I felt like last week I was given a, an overview, and we're going we're gonna to proceed uh, a little bit deeper and look at some of the meanings of the words and some other scriptures as well tonight. We have to be convinced by the scriptures, what, what we believe. We have to be personally convinced by the Holy Spirit. There shouldn't be a million different interpretations if there's one Holy Spirit. There can be a million different interpretations if there's a million different people reading it. But there's only one Holy Spirit, and he's the spirit of truth, and he guides us into all truth. So if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, we should come away with not only the same meaning, but the right meaning, what the Lord has for us. And uh, it's exciting to me to know. I don't have to go through life being deceived and wondering if I'm deceived and wondering if, if I'm believing this correctly. If there's things I don't know, I tell the Lord I don't know. And maybe he'll show me in, in an hour. Maybe he'll show me 10 years from now. Maybe he'll show me when I get to heaven. But I don't want to pretend like I know it if I don't. But I want to be as convinced as I can be by the word of God. Amen? And I want to have a teachable spirit to be taught. And so... Uh, let's look at this tonight. So we, we touched on it last week. We're going to jump right in. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Now, just the previous verses, he talked about uh, the proper adorning, which had to do with uh, the hairdo, the, the clothing, everything. I guess the appearance of, of women in the church. Okay, that there, verse 10 says, but there ought to become what's becoming a woman professing godliness with good works. Peter says a similar thing about uh, how we're to adorn ourselves, speaking here about women, that uh, in, in a way that glorifies God, okay? Modest is a key word that's used there, and that would be appropriate or in, in order. So verse 11 says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Okay, this is the strongest scripture. For those that believe that women should be silent in the church and that women are forbidden to teach, this would be it. There's one other one. This would be the strongest scripture. There's no doubt about it. Okay? This is here. We're going to look at it. Is it a forbidding, is it a forbidding or a prohibition unconditionally for women? They're not permitted to speak in church and they're not permitted to teach God's word. Again, if we had 66 books of the Bible, which we do, and this was never referenced, and there were no examples, and it was never referenced any other place, and we just had 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, that would be what is taught in the Word of God, okay? I'm not discounting this scripture. I want to look at this scripture, though, in light of other scriptures. And remember this. It's good, solid advice. We interpret the scriptures that are less clear by the, by, by the scriptures that are clear, we know Jesus was born of a virgin. We're not confused about that. You know, there are things that we're just rock solid on that anybody would, that would look at the Bible would say, yes, okay? He's the only way, the truth, and the life. So we, we interpret scriptures that are not as clear or that seem contradictory even. We interpret those scriptures in prayer by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We interpret those by the full counsel of God, by the full teaching of scriptures and by the scriptures that are more clear they would have to do with that subject okay so that's just good rule of thumb for any 
any uh, study that we're doing trying to come to an understanding. So keep your spot mark there. We just read it. Let the women learn in silence. Okay, subjection there in King James, it means subordination. All right, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. And I'm going to try to get after it and finish this particular, these two scriptures in Timothy tonight. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, that's a key scripture here, because to me it talks about God's order. It talks a head would be the, the head, the ruler, so to speak. And it doesn't mean that it was someone else is necessarily inferior. I don't think anyone in here would believe it, nor does the scriptures teach that Christ is inferior to the Father, or the Holy Spirit inferior to either Christ or the Father. But they do have an order. There is an order. God the Father is God the Father. God the Son is God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, three God, one in, in three. Three in one. They make one God. It's one Godhead. And so, but God has an order. And his order here in the home, in the family, in the church. Without question, I stand by this. It's biblically written out very clearly that the man is to lead. The man is to be the spiritual authority. Now, men don't, don't always do that. That in itself causes a lot of problems because a woman who's godly will see this isn't being done right. This isn't godly counsel. This isn't the way to raise the children. And they can see a lot of problems. And so the women, woman steps up. I'm not saying she shouldn't step up, but she cannot usurp the authority of the man. That means to have authority over so this is where we have to be careful. This is why in, in, te in teaching this passage about are women to actually be silent and are they permitted to teach, we also need to see in God's order, you can't just set it aside and isolate it. In other words, men need to be what they're supposed to be as well. And so it's, this is not, uh, God has an order. It's biblical order, it's bi biblical authority. Uh, and so I want us to look at this. I don't, I don't see any past, any biblical support for a woman pastor. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm not trying to fight for that right. I don't see that biblically. A woman pastor or even a woman bishop or elder of the church. Okay. There's some debate back and forth about being a deacon. And we'll look at maybe if we get to that tonight, we'll look at that. But just in, in this what we're talking about, I don't see any biblical support for a woman pastor or bishop or elder. Okay? Do not see that. So we read that scripture in 1 Corinthians. Now turn to Acts. We're teaching 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. And I want you to read Acts chapter 2. We closed with this last week. Y'all just uh, stay with me on this because it's important. Because I said last week we have people on both sides of the camp and in every point in between. This is a controversial subject. It is. I could pretend like it's not, but it is. I don't want it to be controversial for us. I want us to study it. What does God's word say? Come away with that and then walk in that. And if the Lord wants to teach us or show us something different, I want to be willing to listen. So on the day of Pentecost, 120 men and women were in the upper room, right? It even named some of the women that were there, Mary, and Mary Magdalene and some of the others. 
were in the upper room. They were waiting for the promise. They knew what they were waiting for. When the, on the day of Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost was fully come, 2-1, uh, they were all in one accord praying, and the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father came, and the Holy Spirit in his fullness, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and with fire. They all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, all of them. This would have included the women. All of them spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, they went out into the street, so they left the upper room. They received the promise. The main purpose for the promise is they receive power, right? Power for what? To be witnesses unto Christ. That's a martyr, a living martyr. And they're going to testify of Christ, not only with words, but words and their life and the miracles and the signs and, and actually uh, Christ being displayed through our lives, okay? This is one of the purposes of the Holy baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's confusion. The, the people that were in Jerusalem did not understand what was going on. Some mocked and laughed, and some said they're drunk, and some scratched their heads and say, we just don't get it at all. How are these people speaking? They're all from around here. How are they speaking in our languages perfectly? And they weren't just talking about current events. They were glorifying God. They were speaking to the glory, the glorify God, all right? Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus Christ, always, every time. So that's important to remember. But anyway, and so Paul, uh, Peter steps up. He's the one that God puts the message, the first sermon that's really preached. And he, is, and he says, we're not drunk. These here are not drunk. This is a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy from Joel chapter 2. He quotes part of the prophecy. And we're just going to read two verses tonight because it has to do with our subject. Acts 2.17, and it shall come to pass, so he's, Peter's quoting this, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and all my servants and all my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. All right, just real quickly, Peter's saying this is it. This is that fulfillment of that prophecy, right? This is what you're seeing. It's just interesting. He said he talks about young and old. He talks about male and female, okay? Young and old, male and female, the same spirit, the same gifts of the spirit, the same outpouring of the spirit for God's glory. You, you see that. He, he make, the Lord doesn't waste words. He doesn't put words in the Bible just for filler, like if you're trying to write a, a thousand word essay and you say, I'm just trying to fill in some words here uh, to get to my total. And all right, it's 950. I got to come up with something else. The Lord doesn't do that. He, he says what he means and he, it's what he wants to give us. Okay, it's inspired, God-breathed word. So, uh, so we see here that, there was, that the Holy Spirit and these gifts were given to men and women. There's still an order. That doesn't change God's order that the man is to lead, that the man is the head, and the head of every man is, is the Lord, okay? That doesn't change that. So it's still within the giftings and the callings and how they're actually used and how they're used in church and, and what happens in the household, in the home, if it's a Christian couple. It doesn't change any of that order. God's order is still his order. But these gifts are still these gifts, and the gifts are to be used. We don't have gifts and sit on them. We have gifts in there to be used. He gave us those gifts for a reason. He gave men and women, handmaidens, servants, 
old and young, these gifts that they would be used for the glory of God. And these particular gifts he's speaking about prophesying, for example, that is with your voice. It's audible. There's no getting around it. I was prophesying back in that closet there, you know, under my breath. Well, that's not benefiting the body, right? First Corinthians 12 and 14 talks about this. And so uh, we do see that this gift was given to men and women. And I want to define prophecy. I think I touched on it last week. Prophesy means to foretell events. That's the most first thought I think that we think of when we think of a prophecy or someone prophesying. They're foretelling events. That is part of the definition, but it's not even the first definition. The definition of prophecy is to speak under divine influence. To speak under divine influence. In other words, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, to speak, to foretell events, to exercise the prophetic office. I'm not making up the definition and trying to make it work. That is the definition of prophecy in the Bible, okay? In the Greek, the word that's used here. And so do we have examples in the scriptures of women actually doing this? We have to look at these things. We have to be honest and look at things. Do we have uh, examples of this? And yes, we do. So I'm going to turn and get right to it. Acts 21. Peter gives the prophecy. He brings sense to what's happening there. And then we see Philip, the evangelist, in Acts 21, 9. Let's read verse 8. And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. This would have been, he would have been one of those that was selected to be a, a servant and minister in the church, right? There were Stephen and Philip, and I don't remember all their names, in Acts chapter 6. So this was that Philip. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And so it doesn't say they did it in church, but it does say that they spoke. They did speak. They did prophesy. And I, d- I doubt they just walked around the house doing it to their daddy. It was a prophetic, it was a gift. It was a gift of prophecy for the glory of God, okay? And so, anyway, there's an example of women prophesying. It doesn't just say they had the gift. It says they did it. They prophesied. We don't read where they're rebuked for doing it. They shouldn't be doing this. God gave the gift, and they did it, okay? Uh, all right, let's, let's look at another, another passage real quickly. I want to go back to 1 Timothy. So just keep it in mind what we read. 1 Timothy 2. When it says here, because it's the two things, silence of the women to literally be silent. 1 Timothy 2.11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Um, does, it, does silence mean silence like we think of silence? Well, the word actually is gunaikos, if I'm pronouncing it right, and it shows uh, quietness is what it means, a quietness. She used to be in quietness rather than to draw attention to herself, and that goes with the previous verses that we read about how she dresses and adorns her hair and so forth, and she is to learn rather than to teach. She has been to be in subjection rather than to be in authority. It's not a prohibition We'll talk about that and see. Here, to me, is one of the 
the key verses in the whole study of this. Okay? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 11. We started there. 1 Corinthians 11. Verses 4 and 5. Okay. Paul is writing to the church. And, and you, you have to very, it's very plain to see when you read these, this chapter and 12 and 13 and 14. He's talking about order in the church. That is what he's talking about. It's in context. We don't have time to, to read all of that. 1 Corinthians eleven four. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head, un, head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now, I'm not doing a teaching tonight on the head coverings. Dee said she just listened to, to an exposition on this that was six hours just on this. Okay? I'm not teaching on that tonight. I want to stay to our, our topic, but it is here in the Bible. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishon dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with, with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that is even, uh, for that is even all one, as if she were shaven. So what's the point? Why, why am I reading that when we talk about women being silent in church and teaching? Well, I think it's very plain. This is not a prohibition. It is conditional. And I think we start seeing and zeroing in on it. Okay? It's conditional. What do I mean by that? He's not saying that the woman should not pray or prophesy in church. She's, the, the, I mean, Paul is not saying, and the Word of God is not saying that she should not pray or prophesy in church. It is giving an order or some conditions or some parameters around that. And there are a lot of things in the Bible like that, y'all. And so it's, it's in reference to public worship. Women were not excluded, but what we see here is an order. What we also see here is that it was, this was a habit. It was a habit of women praying and prophesying. It wasn't like some rare thing that, that never happened. He says, every man that prays or prophesies with his head covers dishonors his head. Every woman that prays and prophesies having her head uncovered, it dishonors, uh, what did he say, dishonors her head. And so you, there's nothing here about forbidding to do it. And I think that's very, very important. I don't think we can just, well, that's, that's whatever. First Timothy still says what First Timothy says it does. And so that's why I say we have to take the scriptures that are stand out, like First Timothy 2, 11 and 12, and interpret them with the whole body of scripture. It's important to do that. We can't just discount that and pretend like it's nothing. Okay? It is something. It, it's a lot. If Paul were forbidding, let's say the Holy Ghost through Paul, was forbidding women to pray, speak, prophesy in church, in public, he would not also tell them the proper way to do it. Think about it for a second. If he was forbidding women to pray and prophesy out loud, in public, in, when I say in public, I mean in public worship, in assembly. If he was forbidding that, he would have forbidden that right there. But he's not forbidding it. He's telling them a way to do it. What's the way? There's a proper way, and we're not doing the study tonight on the head covering. But it's still, it's under the authority. There are parameters. 
there are conditions. You know, I'll give a good example of a condition. I was thinking about this as I was praying this week. And I really want to do my best. I want to do my best, but I want the Lord to take it and do his best with this teaching on the women teachers, okay? Uh, and being silent. But I was thinking as I was praying about this, you know where the Lord, Jesus said in, in Matthew 19, 9, he says, every man that puts away his wife, save for the, the cause of fornication, commits uh, adultery. Okay, or Mary's the one that's put away. He's committing adultery, except for fornication. So in other words, he can't, there's a condition is my point. It doesn't just say every man that puts his wife away is wrong. It says every man that puts away his wife, except it be for fornication, like his wife committed fornication or adultery. It, it's sin. But there is a condition he can put away his wife if she's been unfaithful and committed fornication. What's the point? We're not teaching on that tonight, but it is a condition. It doesn't just read every man that puts away his wife is in sin. It says every man that puts away his wife except it be for this reason, then he commits, uh, he's, he's committing sin, right? Well, I wanted to look at this. When, it, when we're speaking, there are conditions for the woman speaking, teaching, praying, prophesying audibly in the assembly of believers with men and women and all kinds of people there, young and old. There are conditions, okay? And so my point is not to look at the conditions so much as to look at that it's not a prohibition. They're not being prohibited. They're being restrained and, and, and given the order. You know, in a couple of weeks when we get there, we're going to look at the, the qualifications of a bishop. And then we're going to look at the qualifications of a deacon. It doesn't mean people can't be deacons and bishops. It means if the man's going to be a bishop, this is how he's got to, he's got to fit in this box. Okay? And same here. So the word silence, okay? This is important too. So let's, if we're still in 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 14. And this is a, a description uh, or an explanation of the, how the gifts are to be used in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Okay, there again. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. That would be the, the most clear scriptures that people that would use as the argument that women are not to speak or teach. But we see women speaking and teaching. We see women speaking and teaching. We see them doing it and not being forbidden. They're told how to do it. So it has to come, there has to be more to it. There has to be more to it. There has to be, oh, what the Lord is teaching us is an order here. The Lord is teaching us an order. Were there problems in the church in Corinth? Absolutely. That's why I believe, without question, we see this in 1 Corinthians. There was a problem. And here's what historians have said, and, and that, that a man would give a prophecy, or maybe a woman would give a prophecy, 
and women were out of control, okay? Not all of them, but some were out of control. And this woman over here, she, maybe she's sitting here and her husband's on this side, like it was a customary. And she says, hey, honey, you think that was of God? I don't know about that. In the middle of church, okay? How do I know that? Because it talks about judging prophecies. That's just what preceded what we read about the women being silent in churches. It's not permitted for them to speak. That's just what we read. So here, there's a condition. There are conditions. Can a woman sing in church? Can she say amen in church? Can she pray over someone? Can she lift her voice up to where it's audible and people hear it? If we followed that silence, then no. But we know that's not what the, the God, word of God is teaching. There are two things here. There's the silence, and then there's the teaching and usurping. So this injunction to keep silent in verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches. There is a word there. The Greek word, uh, I have it written down. Hesuchia. H-E-S-U-C-H-I-A. Hesuchia. That same word for silence, let your women keep silence, is used three times in this chapter. Guess what? Two times it's used for men. But are the men really to keep silent in church? I'm going to, get, I'm going to show you so you don't just take my word. Look at, look at verse 28. Well, 27 and 28. If any man speak in an, a man, speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three. What is this order, y'all? It's order. He's giving order. He's not forbidding men to speak in an unknown tongue. Paul said, I thank God I speak in unknown tongues more than you all. Okay, so it's not a forbidding. It is a condition. It's order. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let him, let it be by two or, at, by, or the most by three. And, and that by course or like in an order. And let one interpret. So, plain and simply, Reynolds gives a, a tongue and, and he's finished with it. The order would be, don't give another tongue right now. First of all, let Clint interpret it, or whoever he gives the interpretation to. Sit down. Another one has a tongue, followed by another interpretation. Two or three at the most. Why does it say that? Because there's still the meat of the word, and there's the sermon and the message and the teaching that's still going to come. It's out of order if that just goes on all day, even though the gifts are genuine. Okay? The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. We're not out of control. Well, I couldn't help myself. You could. According to the word of God, we can. We need to be led by the Spirit as well as gifted by the Spirit. Amen? All right, so that's what he's talking about. Verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence. It's the exact same word. Same Greek word that's used for let the women keep silence. But nobody thinks that the men are just supposed to be totally silent in church. It was a condition, right? If a man gives a prophecy and no one, in, I mean a tongue, and no one gives an interpretation of that tongue, and you notice, hey, a lot of times past, I guess nobody's got the interpretation or they're not given it for whatever reason, then we have to be reasonable as well and be spiritual. So he gives us an order for that. Guess what? Don't stand up and give another one. Don't stand up and give another tongue. There was no interpreter for this first one. Let him keep silent. Exact same word. 
But there's a condition, right? If they're not an interpreter. I know you think I'm belaboring a point. This is, this is important. Silence here means to hold, hold peace or quietness. All right? Verse 30 says the same thing. So it's still in the context. If, there, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. That was the same word, hesuchia, about the silence. Okay? Two times it's used in this context, in the order in the church for men and one for women. But nobody believes that the men are to be silent in church because they're not. Men are to be leaders and elders and pastors and shepherds and preach and teach and pray. So we know that. And so the, 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 what seems to be a prohibition for women, I believe, according to the word of God, is not a prohibition but a condition. A condition. They are to learn from their husbands at home if they're married. If you need to learn something, you're confused about something that's being taught in the church, it's not the time to start talking about it in church. It's a distraction. It's out of order. It's obnoxious. Okay? It's obnoxious. And I feel like these women, not all of them, but evidently here, we read more, we just don't have time. They were obnoxious. They were out of order. They were not adorned with godliness and what was shamefacedness and sobriety and modesty in their, in their countenance and the way they dressed and their hairdo and in the way they acted. It wasn't of Christ. It was out of order because the man's supposed to lead. And, and the, the man could teach that if that was the, the, the case. L- learn that at home, Paul says. Learn that at home. It's not the place or the time. Okay? It doesn't say don't learn it. It says learn it at home. And so, again, she, the Lord, Apostle Paul, is, is really dealing with, by the Holy Spirit, forms of disorder. Forms of disorder. It's not a cop-out. It's the fact. Okay? And so, uh, follow my notes here. So, let's go back to, let's go back to this question where we open in 1 Timothy 11 and 12. Chapter 2, 11 and 12. In verse 12, it says, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So it's the same word there for silence. It means quietness, right? She's not to draw attention to herself. She's to be uh, learning rather than speaking and so forth, and, and, and usurping. So there's two ways... And I remember studying this 25 years ago or, or so, and I remember thinking, is it two different things? Is it, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor do usurp authority over man. That's basically like one thought, teaching and usurping. You can't do that. Or is that I suffer not a woman to teach, period, and I suffer not a woman to usurp authority over the man, period. Okay? But in one sense, the more I've studied, it doesn't really matter because there are examples and conditional teachings for both. Well, not for usurping authority. Okay, there's never, a, a, there's never a, a time where a woman is to usurp authority over the man. But even if you read it like this, I suffer not a woman to teach, and you put a period there. There's not a period that's common, but if there was a period, suffer not a woman to teach, are there biblical examples of women teaching? Yes. So it cannot be a pro- prohibition for women to teach. 
I read it last week. I'm just going to read it real quickly. I hope you are taking notes. In, in, in Titus chapter 2, talks about the older men teaching the younger men. Then he says, Titus 2 verse 3, the aged women likewise, just like the older men teach the younger men, but older men don't just teach younger men. They might teach their peers and they might teach, you know what I mean? They might teach other people as well. He is singling out here. I want you older men that are believers. I want you to take the younger men that are believers under your wing and teach them how to be a godly man. That's what he's talking about. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, love their husbands, love their children, and so forth. The, the name of God be not blasphemed. Well, you say, but that's just them teaching other women. That is. That scripture is. But my point is this. If I suffer not a woman to teach, and you take that, at, and you just go with that, then, then he's contradicting himself in Titus. Because they're teaching. Even whoever the audience is, they are teaching. But I suffer not a woman to teach. So which is it? We all understand what it is. We understand what it is. So she's not forbidden to teach. There are conditions, though. And, and so this is what we're, we're looking at. Never do we see where God use, uh, admonishes a woman to have authority, usurp authority over the man. We don't see that, okay? But we do see that. We see uh, Lois and Eunice. That was, that was Timothy's grandmother and mother that taught him the scriptures. Well, that was, that was a man. It was a male. Yeah, but it was a child. And we start putting these things in it. But the point is they taught. They taught the word of God. And that scripture said don't. I, I suffer not a woman to teach. And yet we do see women teaching. So it has to be. We have to interpret 1 Timothy by other scriptures that we see. Do we see women teaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's another one. Here's where a woman specifically taught a man, or a man and woman together taught a man. I didn't put this in the Bible. The Lord did. Acts chapter 18. Y'all just bear with me. I'm trying to get through this tonight. Acts 18, verses 24 through 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of, at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came into Ephesus. This is where Timothy was. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. I always think that's amazing. He, pro he spoke rightly, he spoke correctly, he rightly divided the word, but he didn't know anything past the baptism of John. God didn't let him stay that way, okay? Here's what happened here. How's, here's how the Lord brought him on into the fullness uh, of the scripture. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, whom when Aquila and Priscilla, this is a married couple, they're mentioned four times in the scripture, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila was the man, Priscilla was the girl. Hard to tell with those names, okay? Aquila was the husband, Priscilla was the wife. Four times they're mentioned in Scripture by Paul. Three times Priscilla is mentioned first. You say, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does matter. It does matter because you don't read her, 
uh, her and, and Aaron and Moses, you usually read like Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron. God puts the one first that he wants to put first. You understand what I'm saying? Three of the four times Priscilla is mentioned first. Well, let's keep reading. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, so they heard him preaching and say, this is wonderful, but this man, he needs, to, he needs to know a little bit more. He needs to know more. They took him unto them. They took him unto them. Man and wife took a man to themselves and expounded, they did, expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Okay? Um, well, you say that's just a little example. Well, it is, but it's there. You can call it little or big if you want to. I'm simply saying, do we see examples in the scripture? And they're not forbidden. Paul speaks highly in Romans and other epistles of Aquila and Priscilla. He says Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, so um, that's an example. She's not usurping anybody's authority. She's not usurping the husband's authority. She's not usurping Apollos' authority. What she is is expounding to him. She and her husband both. Maybe he said a little bit and she jumped in and he said a little more. But they took the man aside and expounded unto him more the perfect way. Christ is come, the one that John the Baptist spoke of. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, he's already come and crucified. You need to know him. Okay, and he got saved and he became quickly and became a laborer with him. He just picked up right where he left off. But what's the point? Obviously, the point is there's an example of a woman not only teaching children, not only teaching women, but expounding the word of God to a man. Okay? To a man. And so, just in closing tonight, I want to look at this real quickly. Turn to Romans 16. So Romans 16, it might be one of those kind of chapters when you're reading the Bible, you get to that and you say, I'm going to get through this quick because it's just a list of a bunch of names, right? Don't do that. It's a list of a bunch of names, and he starts right out. It's a salutation, you know, and he's saying, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Chentria. You know what that word servant means? Diakonos, I think that's how you pronounce it, is the same word used for deacon. Same word used for deacon when it says, I'm going to give you the qualifications for a deacon. It's the same uh, diakonos, and it's translated servant here, the same Greek word, and it's, it's, it means minister, or, or it's translated minister when it applies to Paul and Apollos in 1 Corinthians 3. And then we, when it's in 1 Timothy 3 with the qualifications of the deacons, it's the same words is translated deacon. I know of a brother that is very conservative, very, very conservative biblically and doctrinally, who has a woman deacon in his church. We've talked about it back and forth. I'm not judging him for that. I'm simply saying, in some ways, you know, he might say he's more conservative than, than I am in, in certain ways. He sees it, okay? And here's one of the reasons that he sees it, okay? And, and that same word, commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant, a diakonos, which is translated minister or deacon. 
and other places in Scripture in the New Testament. All right? Okay, he also talks about some other people. Look at verse 12. We're going to stay in Romans 16. So he's naming all these people that are, have been a blessing to him, that have helped them, that he wants the church to commend and think about and pray for. And if they come see you, you receive them, that kind of thing. So Romans 16, 12 says, Salute Tryphena and Triosopha who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis which labored much in the Lord. Okay, these people, every Greek scholar says these were woman names. These were names of female. This would have been like Alice and Sally. Okay, this isn't a name that could go both ways, like a Jordan could be a girl or a boy or something like that. This is, these are names that were female names. And he says they served. There's a wonderful scripture in uh, Philippians. You don't have to turn there now. Philippians 4, 3 where Paul says, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. He didn't just say they cooked and made meals. There's lots of people in the Bible that did that, and they're commended for it. But they're spoken of in that frame. They housed the saints. They washed the feet of the, the saints. And there's nothing wrong with that. Praise God for that, okay? But what I'm saying is Paul doesn't say that here. He says, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the proclaiming of the good news. They didn't labor silently, okay? And so uh, he says the same thing. We'll read one more, and then I'm going to bring it to a close. And, and if you're still in Romans 16, verse 7, we'll back up to there. Salute Andronicus. Boy, I don't have my light up here. It went out. I apologize. Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners who are of, the, of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. So this Junia, that is a female as well. It's a feminine name. And he says that they, they were his kinsmen, they were his fellow prisoners, and they were of note among the apostles. It doesn't mean they were, they were apostles. The, the other apostles, to these people were noteworthy among the apostles. They knew who these people were. Okay? And I think, again... Uh, this is the best, y'all, the best conclusion. I don't know if I've done the best job explaining it. This is the best conclusion that I come to. I'll say this. Either women, I said it last time, either women can teach or they can't. There's no in-between, according to God. He's not confused about it, right? In church either or outside of church. Either, either women can speak in church or they are forbidden to be heard in church. It's one of the two, but it can't be both. I believe that women from the scriptures can speak and teach, but there's an order. There are orders and there are conditions. And with the orders and conditions, they're still under the authority of men. And the men are under the authority of Almighty God. That is the conclusion I come to. I'm not trying to twist your arm to make you believe it. This is what I see from the scriptures. And again, God's not confused. I used the example last week. Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. You only have one father. He's in heaven. And yet we know that he's not forbidding children to call their parents father and mother. We know he's not. So there was a condition what he was talking about. We have to understand it. And so that is the, what I believe. 
There, that word silence is also used a couple of other times for men. It says when, they, when you work, uh, when you work, let the men work in quietness, laboring with their own hands and, and provide their own meals for themselves. I'm paraphrasing. But nobody believes that a man can't speak when he's on the job laboring or that he can't speak when he's having a meal with his family. But that's the same word that's used. Let a man work with his hands, laboring in quietness, silence, same Greek word, and, and provide his meal for, for him and his family. But nobody thinks he can't talk while he's working. That would be ridiculous. It's not, it doesn't even go with the God that we know, what he's thinking of, you know, what he would communicate to men. So either women can speak or can't, either they, either they can teach or they cannot, either they can prophesy and pray in church or they cannot, forbidden to according to God's word. I believe that they are allowed to, they are permitted to, and that the giftings and callings of God are to be used in those ways, but in authority. I closed with this. I said it last week. If some woman, one of you, and I'm very thankful, we have godly women that teach, teach our children especially, and, and I appreciate them, and I appreciate if, if somebody comes up here and opens in prayer, they're coming up. Dalen came up this past Sunday night. She was not usurping my authority. She was not usurping the men of this church's authority. It wasn't out of order. It was an exact order of what God wanted to be. The Lord and then the man, the head of the church, would be the, the pastor and, and the leaders of the church. And then under that, okay, she didn't just presume upon herself to come up and do that. I asked her a few days before. You understand what I'm saying? And so that, that is my conviction, and that is my conviction based on the scriptures. Indeed, you can come up. If you have any questions about this and want to talk to me more about it, I'll be glad to listen. But that is what I'm convinced of from the Bible. Okay? Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for this teaching. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that we don't have to be afraid to go to controversial scriptures or hard-to-be-understood scriptures. That, Lord, you always, we interpret the Bible by the Bible. We interpret the scriptures with the scriptures, always being taught by the Holy Ghost. That is our teacher. The Spirit of truth guides us into all truth. Lord, I thank you for your order. You've I thank you for the order that you have established in the home, I thank you for the order that you've established in the church. I'm not fighting against it. I don't want any other order. I pray that Cornerstone would always be in perfect order. If something would get out of order, that we would quickly correct it. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for this. And give us humble, teachable spirits to learn and to understand. In Jesus' name. If you all want to come to the altar just for a moment and pray.